This is going to be an introduction to that book this morning. We will look at the salutation primarily in verses 1 and 2. And uh, so uh, we'll probably be going rather slow through this book because there is so much here. And uh, remember, it's not the quantity, but the quality uh, that we, we need to, to cover. And not only how much we cover, but mainly that it covers us, that we, that we uh, take it in, that we absorb it. You know, you can have all sorts of knowledge, but if it doesn't affect your life, like the gospel affected Paul, then we're missing the boat entirely. So be patient with me and uh, as we go through, these, uh, through this marvelous book. It's a deep book. There are some very astounding things here that we'll be looking at. Some you may agree with, some you may not. And, uh, but uh, someone said about the book of Ephesians, he says, it's like a lofty peak in the mountain range of Revelation. You get lost in its wonder. And... Uh, and I agree, totally. It's, it's that uh, incredible. In chapters 1 through 3, we see the uh, doctrine, these majestic doctrines that Paul talks about. And then chapters 4 through 6, it descends, you might say, to the, to the practical everyday life of, of living. And so there's both here. There's deep doctrine, but there's also practicality that we'll be uh, looking at. And I would encourage you, uh, as a challenge, uh, there are six chapters, and there are seven days in a week, but uh, you can start today, you can start Monday. But I'd like for everybody to read one chapter a day for a week. And uh, I think this would be helpful in your understanding this book, and <clears throat> so, Paul is writing from prison. We find that in chapter 3, verse 1, and chapter 4, verse 1, and chapter 6, verse 20. And I'm not going to read those now. We'll be going through that. But we see that his three uh, missionary journeys are over. He's writing from Rome. We find that in Acts 28, verses 16 through 31. <clears throat> he's under house arrest in Rome and like we saw in Timothy he is nearing the end of his life <clears throat> and so I believe we can see that this book radiates Paul's confidence and I say that Paul's confidence in Christ he says in Christ. Did you if you read this book, notice how many times you find in Christ, in Christ, and uh, or in him, particularly in the first three chapters, uh, Paul talks <clears throat> of being in Christ. And we're going to look at that. He his words are full of certainty. 
not maybe so, not this could possibly be true. Uh, No, he says, with certainty in Christ. Not possibly. And uh, 1 John 5.13 says, These things have been written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. And that's what Paul is saying here. He knows what he is writing is true. He is not saying, well, you know, uh, you better grab hold of this in case it happens to be true because you don't want to be left out, you know. You, you better put one you know, foot across that line. No, he's saying this is something of supreme importance. It's certain. And uh, <clears throat> so we find that Paul labored in Ephesus for Christ. Paul loved people. And, you know, to me, if a pastor doesn't love people, he's in the wrong business. If he cannot emphasize, uh, have empathy for, uh, if he cannot weep when someone weeps and rejoice when somebody rejoices, he's in the wrong business and needs to get out. I even had a pastor one, one time tell me, he said, I don't get close to the people because every time I do, they hurt me. And I'm thinking, well, sir, you need to be somewhere else doing something else because that's part of it. In Acts 20, uh, we find uh, <clears throat> Paul in Ephesus. He says, from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. And when they, when they had come to him, he said to them, you yourselves know from the first day that I said, Uh, foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility. And that's what we're going to see, that Paul was a humble man, and we need to be humble people with tears. He entered into their lives, and with trials which came upon me uh, through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, uh, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years I did not cease to admonish each one with tears." Do you see his heart? Do you really see his, his outpouring of his self to these, uh, to these people? It's really convicting, uh, even as a pastor, when I read this. You know, because it's easy to just kind of go through it and get it done, and it's a job, and no. It's, it's something that should just radiate from me, just Come out because Christ is in here and uh, he is working in me, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And so this book, someone else said, is a tonic to the soul. He said, we are refreshed spiritually, taking our eyes off of the world and material things and gazing at the things of God. Now, if you notice... uh, Uh, in Ephesians, and I'm just going to go through the headings of each chapter. You may have different headings, 
But Paul is going to talk about the blessings of redemption, being made alive in Christ. Uh, uh, Paul's stewardship, unity of the Spirit, uh, the Christian's walk, and then uh, be imitators in God and so forth. So you can see Paul is, is really caught up in, uh, in this idea that he wants these people, uh, these people to really understand uh, the Christian faith, that it's of that importance. And so uh, we're going to have a challenge, but I am looking forward to digging uh, deep uh, and, and finding the truths that are here. Paul uh, ta- describes himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ. An apostle was one who was sent. And somebody said, uh, and I've said before, were you sent or did you just went? And uh, Paul was sent. And uh, so we need to uh, be also preaching the gospel. We need to be taking this truth to those uh, in need. The disciple is one who learns. Paul first learned, and he was taught the truth of God. And then he was commissioned by the will of God. We see that in verse 1, to go forth and publish that truth. And so... This is uh, the book of Ephesians. Now, I I want to read uh, really the first uh, 12 verses of this book. But we're not going to cover all of that. But I just want you to get a flavor of the depth of what Paul is going to say here. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus... By the will of God, and we're going to see that next week, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to the kind intention which he purposed in him with a view to the administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. In him also we have an obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his own will to the end that we were First to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of his inheritance with a view of the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Did you know in the Greek, verse 3 through 14 is one sentence? 
The longest sentence. And that's why I read it that way. Because you boy, why does he read? That's one sentence. I think 202 words. Uh, I'm not sure exactly. But uh, we, can, we can see Paul is excited. Paul is like, whoa. Whoa, this is what we're uh, dealing with here. And uh, he wants us to, to understand that as well. Really, we also want to see this is a man who wants to get out of the way. He wants us to not see Paul. And I said this, I think, at the end of the message last week. Paul wants us to see Jesus. Now, he was a great man, greatly used by God, an apostle. Don't misunderstand me. And wow, when I uh, think of Paul. But that's not who Paul wants you to see as him. Did you notice how he just poured out who God is and what God has done for us? Whoa! I mean, this is like, how in the world are we going to ever dig through all of that when you read it? Because Paul was so full, it just flowed out of him. It was just gushing. That's a good word. Gushing. That just came to me. And, uh, but so he wants us to see Jesus. Uh, and again, he's in prison while he's doing this. So, <clears throat> in uh, Act chapter, Acts 18, we find his first exposure uh, to the Ephesian church uh, that would be founded. Paul, having remained many days longer, took leave of the brethren and put out to sea for Syria. And with him were... Priscilla and Aquila in Sinchira, he had his hair cut for he was keeping a vow. We're not going to get into that. They came to Ephesus and he left them there, that is Aquila and Priscilla. Now he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer time, he did not consent. But taking leave of them and saying, I will return to you again if God wills, he said, say, uh, he set sail from Ephesus. So this was his first exposure, but he returns, uh, and we see when he returns the effectiveness uh, of, of what has been done. In Acts 19, verses 11 and 12, and, and, and these other verses to follow, and again, I know this is kind of like uh, introductory stuff, but it's, it's good for us to understand the uh, where Paul was coming from in all of this. He said, God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. Now, this, he was in a very wicked city, so that handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out. Many also of those who had believed kept coming, confessing and disclosing their practices, that is, their evil practices, okay? And many of those who practiced magic brought their books together and began burning them. You know, that's when you can tell when something's happening is when people get rid of their evil, okay? And uh, in the sight of everyone, and they counted up the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver, I would say there was some repentance going on, wouldn't you? Uh, whoa. 
So the word of the Lord was growing mightily. That's what I want to see. And prevailing. About that time, there occurred no small disturbance concerning the way. In other words, a big one. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis or Diana, was bringing uh, no little business to the craftsmen. These he gathered together with the workmen of similar trades and said, Men, you know that our prosperity depends upon this business. Whoa. And even if, you know, uh, yeah. And you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a considerable number of people saying that gods made with hands are no gods at all. No kidding. Not only is there danger that this trade of, of ours fall into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess of Diana be regarded as worthless and that she whom all of Asia and the world worship will even be dethroned for her magnificence. Wow. Is that, I think that may be it. Okay. And so we can see by what we just read, the effect that Paul had and what not only Paul, and I say Paul, it's the gospel. Remember, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all those that believe. And so the gospel had changed Paul, but wow, Paul was being used by God, even where the handkerchiefs were taken to people and they were healed. Now that's power. That's something going on, isn't it? You know what? There were those that didn't like that. Those who were making lots of money didn't like what he was doing. And uh, so uh, we see his effect on uh, what uh, went on in in Ephesus. And... So, this epistle revolves around not Paul, but God himself. In these verses, the first verses of Ephesians, we find in verses 4 through 6, praise to the Father who elects. Then we'll see uh, praise to the Son who redeems in verses 7 through 12. And then uh, the Spirit who seals. And so we find uh, all of that in this first chapter. And so we're looking forward to that. But we also see this is to the glory of God. The glory of God is the motivation of Paul. The glory of God ought to be our motivation. Are you motivated to glorify God? Whether you eat, drink, or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Are you doing that? Am I doing that? It should be the glory of God that rules the church. Because we see that uh, 
It is God who must be present for the gospel to be spread. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 6. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, so that they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God who said light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. It's about glorifying God. And God's glory is what it's all about. And we need God to shine into the hearts of the unbelieving. That's the only way they'll ever be saved. They're not going to ever see it themselves. John 1.14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory. We saw his glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Paul wants us to see the glorious God that he is and what he has done for us. Not what we have done for ourselves because within us dwells no good thing. Oh, you don't understand. I'm a pretty good guy. You know, I'm, I'm smart and, and I get this thing. No, you're, you're not. You're a sinner who is saved by uh, the grace of God. And we all need to, to understand that. We all need to see that. But anyway, Ephesus itself uh, was the capital of the Roman province of Asia on the west coast of Asia Minor. Uh, it lay between the eastern and western halves of the Roman Empire and it was among the top five cities of the empire in the first century. Also, it was important to the spread of the gospel in Asia. And uh, this is the importance of it. And during Paul's long stay, uh, it uh, also became the center of evangelizing for uh, Asia Minor. We see in uh, Acts 19, 8 through 10. uh, Let me skip down here. It says, this took place for two years, so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of God, both Jews and Greek. And so this word was going out, and it was uh, affecting the people that heard it. And uh, can the word of God affect this country? It sure can. And we need to be praying to that end. We need to be praying, God use me. God use me to bring Someone to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the word of God is quick and powerful and sharp. And uh, Paul's affection for the church is seen in this farewell speech uh, to the elders in Acts 20. We won't read that now, but that's verses 16 through 38. We also see the, the temple there in Ephesus as we look at this. 
the, the temple of the goddess of Diana was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Um, it's uh, said to have been 200, notice now, 220 years in the building. Its roof was supported by 226 columns. Do you realize how many columns that is? They weren't like the columns in the back of the building here. These suckers were 60 feet tall. Built to a false god. Wow. And we complain if we have to do anything. These people worked for 260, uh, 200, uh, uh, what did I say, 226 years in building this false to a false God. We serve the living God. How much energy are we putting in serving him? We ought to be much more fired up than they were. They had no power. They did not even know the one true God. We see also that the focus of of Ephesians is the mystery of the church. We find the church is a community. We're part of that church where God's power is there to reconcile people to himself and experienced and experience the transformed life. We see the church is the bride prepared for the coming of her her lover and her husband. That's in the uh, uh, chapter 5, verses 22 through 32. The letter, the recipients, is addressed to saints, people who were separated by the grace of God, and through the sanctifying work of, the, of Christ, they were separated from sin unto righteousness. It's interesting, notice here, and, and, and uh, you need to know this in case it's ever brought up, but it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ by the will of God to the saints who are at Ephesus. Now, it's interesting that in the oldest manuscripts, at Ephesus is not there. It reads, to the saints uh, who are faithful in Christ Jesus. And I believe this book, Ephesus, was put in there by probably a copier because it resided at Ephesus. And it was uh, thought of as Paul to the uh, Ephesian people, but it was really Paul to all the Asian of Asia Minor. It was to all the churches. Uh, it's to us. You could put in Mobile right here. You could put, instead of at Ephesus, at Grace Bible Church in Mobile. And so it doesn't change anything, but it is an interesting uh, thought as we... And uh, this letter is also addressed to the faithful in Christ. To the faithful in Christ Jesus, notice. Uh, Who are the faithful? Faithful to what? What are we faithful to? We're faithful to the word of God. And we're also faithful to the desires of the son of God. We're faithful saints. 
in Christ Jesus, verse 1 of chapter 1. That's our position. We are in Christ. And he says, grace and peace to you. Boy, the, the word grace, we're going to see that. You're going to almost get tired of hearing it. I hope you don't, and I don't think you will. But boy, Paul was filled with grace. He understood grace. And we need to understand grace more and more. We need to understand grace. We don't even begin to understand the grace of God in our lives. Uh, And in order to have peace, you must first experience God's grace through the gospel that brings peace to your heart. If you have not experienced the grace of God, you don't have peace. You never have peace. There is no peace. Uh, The world is searching for peace. And the only peace is where? In Christ. Being in Christ, you can have peace. You can go to your death uh, in peace. Uh, The message for the church is Paul simply is stating, praising God for who he is and what he has done. That's the message of the book. Praising God for who he is and what he's done. And I don't think you will understand this book until you're humbled by its greatness. Until you're humbled by the grace of God towards you personally. You've got to understand who you were before you were found. You were lost, and now you're found. You were blind, but now you see. That's what Paul is saying. He understood grace. It was demonstrated towards him on the Damascus Road. He was not searching for Christ. He had it all. He was the Pharisee of the Pharisees, the most religious person in the world, and he didn't have it. He did not have the truth. And, and just as he, Christ revealed himself to Paul, he did that to us by grace. And we'll see on and over, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, not even the faith that you have is of yourselves. It's the gift of God. You had faith given to you in order to believe. Wow. Have you gotten on your hands and in your face before God and, and just thanked Him for saving you? By grace, you have been saved. Or do you think, well, you know, I'm a pretty good guy. Uh, you know, I really deserve this. You know, God looked down into the future and He saw what a wonderful person I would become and He chose me. No. We're not going to see that at all. It ain't there. And if you don't understand that, you don't understand grace. I'm sorry. Because that's what grace is. It's unmerited favor. It's amazing. It's amazing. You say, wow, how amazing is it? Well, let's just make up a... You know, I I don't particularly like Bonanza, but I've seen... Uh, I've seen some of the episodes, and I do watch it occasionally. But I remember one, and I remember these these ruthless people were killing people. They were st- uh, stealing 
uh, cows. They were just creating a, a, a havoc everywhere. <clears throat> and uh, can you imagine uh, uh, Ben Cartwright coming up to these people that have been caught and saying, well, I want you to know little Joe is going to die for you. He's going to take your place and suffer your punishment, your death. He's going to be hanged in your place. You'd say, well, that's insanity. That's, cra- that's unthinkable. That's unbelievable. That's amazing. Because it couldn't happen. That's what Jesus did for you. The Father sent the Son and He took your place. When you deserve the wrath of God. You deserve the wrath of God. We all deserve the wrath of God. And He came and He died for us. I want you to let that just sink in. Let go of yourself. Let go of all your goodness. And praise God for who He really is. And that's what Paul is going to do here. He is just uh, uh, painting a picture here of who God is and what He's done for us by grace, by grace, by grace, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. And He just pours His heart out. You know, it's a shame because we hear the gospel, people hear the gospel, and they're either. Seems like two extremes. One extreme says, you know, I am so, so wicked. I've done so many horrible things that God would never accept me. And then on the other end, you have people who are so proud about how good they are that they don't even need God because they're good. They're going to make it because they're good. You have both extremes. But you know what? Christ died for both of those people. Wow, that's amazing grace. That he would die for the thief on the cross who deserved to be crucified. That's amazing, amazing grace, beloved. I hope we're letting that just sink in. No wonder Paul, and we're going to see this too, no wonder he said, blessed be God. Did you notice that? Blessed be God. We need to be blessing God. We need to be blessing God. You know what? When you understand the gospel and what the gospel is and what the gospel by grace has done in your heart and redeemed you, forgiven you of all of your sins, you now have the righteousness of Christ that's been imputed to you. He has taken your sin, Christ has, and He is giving you His perfect record. And now in Christ, you're perfect. That's amazing grace, brothers and sisters. That's amazing that God would love us so much that He would send His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Let's pray. Father, Your Word is is awesome. It's unbelievable. It's, It's amazing. Your love, your unconditional love for sinners is, is just amazing, Lord. Unthinkable and yet unchangeable. 
Because all your promises to us are yes and amen. We've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Oh God, help us to, to rejoice. As Paul says, blessed be God. Blessed be God. Lord, we bless you. We praise you. We glorify you for who you are and what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, Lord, work in each of our hearts. Humble us, God, as Paul was humbled. Humble us, Lord, more and more by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.